Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. For show 1789. There you go. Good number, what's, huh? What's wrong with us? 1789. Dude, I was only supposed to do 50 shows. I know. Right? Yeah. It's the show 100. The previous guest hosts had both done 50 each. I was like, I'll do 50 shows. It'll be fine. Yeah, and a historic 20-year anniversary of .NET Rocks coming up in August. We have a date. I think it's August 18th. In Louisville? In Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if a ticket to Code Palooza is required, but it's probably a good idea that you yeah. go to Code Palooza. Yeah, come to the show. We'll do some fun things, I guarantee it. But we will also do some be a fun party. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a comment off of Chris Sells' show who said he'll come as well. That's awesome. Although he he was at Google, he's just gone to Meta. Chris? Chris is now at Meta, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. He's working on, on he works the Metaverse. Around. Well, good. Uh, let's start this show with a little thing we call Better No, a Framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, dude, what do you got? You won't believe it. I will. I have a namespace in the .NET framework. Okay, no, I don't believe that. That What? Yeah. <laughs> You're actually doing a better know a framework about something in the framework? I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> this is system.collections.immutable. Oh. Yeah, immutable collections. New? Fairly new. Okay. Um, I think it was introduced in C Sharp 9. Okay. I'm not sure, though. But get this, you've got immutable arrays, immutable mm-hmm. dictionaries, immutable hash sets, mm-hmm. uh, immutable interlocked, uh, immutable list, and generics as well, immutable queue and stack, sorted dictionary, uh, sorted set. And so I just learned about this today, believe it or not. Oh. Yeah, talking to the Fluxor guy. And he said that uh, these these things are, are excellent and wicked fast. <laughs> and the reason they're so fast is that except for immutable stacks and queues, all of these items, these collections, are based on AVL trees. So it's like a binary tree. Right. And you can insert an element in any position in the collection, beginning, middle, or end, without needing to copy the tree in its entirety. Awesome. So it, it, he said it was like a hundred times faster than your standard collection. Yeah, I don't know if that's what you're waiting for, but it's nothing wrong with using fast stuff. That's for sure. Yeah, right. So check it out. System collections immutable. I'm going to be using it in a project coming up here. So I might have more to report on it later. Yeah. I, but, I mean, uh, the big thing about using a name at that in, immutable namespace is like you just know there's certain things that aren't going to happen. And more importantly, you're going to get errors if you try and do them. If you try right. and modify those things, you know, it's like, hey, those are immutable. Yeah. So it makes better code. That's, yep. That's cool. It Love is it. cool. And uh, also thread safe. So yeah. don't learn it. Love it. Who's talking to us today, Richard? Got a comment off of show 1784. And I already referred to this because this is the one we did with Chris Sells. When we talked about Flutter and how Flutter has expanded beyond the sort of mobile space and onto desktops with right. Windows and ultimately Mac OS and, and various flavors of Linux support as well. And obviously, you know, we have an ongoing series here now about all these desktop libraries that are emerging uh, or we're being reminded of because many of them have been around a long time. It's just very much on the minds of a lot of folks. And this comments from Chris Robinson from a few weeks ago where he says, I found that Flutter really accelerates mobile development in general. So clearly he's old school Flutter. 
Uh, the right. layout capabilities are second to none, and the hot reload features make iterating on the UI design really easy. The experience is so good for mobile, I would almost reach for Flutter first, even though I was doing an app for a single platform. I'm not really quite sure why the desktop has had as much emphasis since there is plenty of cross-platform desktops, but kudos to them for getting as far as they have. And I think, they, you know, obviously mm-hmm. that was the new thing they wanted to talk about. So we gave them room for that. But the idea that you start with a framework in mobile and move it into desktop and, you know, have a better sense of write once, run on multiple platforms, I think yeah. it's, it's pretty applicable. It's pretty cool. So, Chris, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code by is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks. We publish every show there. And if you comment on there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code by. On the Facebooks. Listen to you. On the Facebooks. Hey, uh, <laughs> and definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell and I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. And you know what? Tweets are immutable. Well, I guess that's they true. Are. They you are. cannot you can't edit, edit a tweet. You, you can, can delete, delete it and send a new one, but you can't edit a tweet. Yes, true At enough. At least I haven't figured out how to do it. And that brings us to our guest today. Our esteemed guest is Otto Dobritzberger. Uh, he's a senior software developer with EPS Software. He earned a bachelor's degree in biomedical informatics in Austria and a master's and PhD in computer science from the University of Houston. His background is in heavy computational genetic and genomic data analysis using C and C++, but guess what? He also does C Sharp. All the Cs. Yeah, all the Cs. So welcome, Otto, and uh, I can't wait to to hear what we're going to talk about today. Hello, Will, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Can we start with the difference between genetics and genomics? Well, genomics is (laughs) evaluation of the entirety of uh, genetic code of an organism. Well, as in genetics, you look at particular genes, gene expressions. So one's micro and one's macro. Uh, You you could say that. Okay. But that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) Talking about something called Fotino? Correct. What is that? Uh, What's a Fotino? Well, a Fotino, the the name stems from, you know, we were looking at... uh, cross-platform development, Mm cross-platform libraries and stuff. And we came across a bunch of different options that we had, and we thought, okay, let's see which one is the smallest one, right? Because we wanted to be able to create apps for different operating systems, but keep them as small as possible. Mm. And uh, whatever we came across didn't really satisfy this, right? Most of the platforms and libraries we found, you create a Hello World app for multiple platforms. It's still 200 or 100 megabytes just for bringing up the app without anything in it, with all the additional stuff they come with. So we said, all right, we'll create something um, that is small, is tiny. Are we looking at Electron when we say these big things? Yeah, for instance, that's one of the alternatives we looked at before and that we compared with, right? And like the starter app uh, for Electron on Windows 10 is 150 or something megabytes, just a starter app. The the web window-based stuff in Maui is pretty lightweight, isn't it? Yeah, that is that is lightweight. But Maui, you know, I mean, that's a different topic to talk about Maui entirely. Yeah. And when and how it's going to be ready for production and so on. Sure, yeah. So this is the play on a photon is lighter than an electron? Correct. So we were like, okay, we need a name for it, right? We need something that is small. We need something that is tiny, something that is fast. Well, what is faster than light? Nothing really, right? And what is tinier than a photon? Well, not a lot. So Not a lot. 
So that's why we came up with that name. Wow. Ah, right. So it's a library that might be a wave or a particle. We're not really sure. <laughs> True. <laughs> exactly. Bunch of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been a Maison. Could have been a Maison. I don't even know what the hell that is, man. I write code. I don't know what you guys do. <laughs> I don't know either. A Muon. <laughs> you know what muon catalyzed fusion is carl i talked to you all about you, it yeah back you in the told day. me once do i remember no no <laughs> it sounded like, interesting at the time it was a great show i was very proud of that that scenario i painted for you muon yeah. catalyzed fusion so a lighter weight dot net centric correct uh ui framework Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah, we have developed it and we run it on Windows, we run it on macOS, and we run it on Ubuntu. So you developed it? Yes, we developed it. Initially took it over as it was initially started as an open source project uh, from Steve Sanderson uh, called oh. WebWindow. And that was running under... So this is based on WebWindow. Yeah, mm. so it was originally based on .NET Core 3.1, if I remember correctly. And uh, it used a, a pre-release of WebView 2. And yeah. we then contacted uh, Steve and said, hey, we're really interested in wh where this is going and uh, we'd like to help. And uh, ultimately it led to us taking over the project and uh, wow. taking it further. Uh, so, it so clarify something for me because I thought that the, the Maui desktop stuff was based on web window also. Is it forked? It is, is no. Am that's, I wrong about that? No, it is. So that's different development entirely. So neither Maui is based on Fortino, nor is Fortino based on Maui. That is too separate. Right, but I, I thought they both might be based on web windows. What I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like they, they could. I'm I'm not entirely sure, but uh, about Maui, but yeah, I think I, I think that's what I understand. But, but when I could it comes, be totally wrong. I mean, there's the web there. There's the web window repository. Under yep. Steve Sanderson's, Correct. you know, repositories in GitHub. Correct. Did you mm -hmm. guys take a, so you guys took a fork of this and that became Fatima? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. All right. And where, yeah, you don't have as clear a lineage for, uh, for, for Maui. I think Maui's his own thing. I believe so. Yeah. But I, I, I'll include a link for the show notes, but you can see <laughs> on the web window GitHub repository, it says, you know, if you want to build apps with this, you should look at Fatino. Yep, because we're the logical successor for it, so to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and so we have decided on, I mean, obviously Windows and Mac to support these platforms. And then we also wanted to support uh, Linux. And we you know, decided on uh, using Ubuntu for that effort, which doesn't mean it doesn't run on other distributions, which doesn't mean it doesn't run on other versions of Linux. Now, what GUI is Ubuntu use? Like, does it have a particular GUI that uses? Because last time I looked, there was like a dozen fla flavors of GUI for for Linux. Well, for for us, we don't use their GUI, right? So, oh, I see. For Fortino, the way it works is that the basic concept of Fortino is you can use your web skills, web development skills, to create desktop apps. But it doesn't matter what those are, right? So you can use your Angular skills. You can use your React skills. You can use your Vue apps. You can use create a laser app, right? It doesn't matter. You can create a basic HTML, JavaScript, and CSS app and use just that and create desktop app with just those things. And that desktop app will then run on Windows and Mac and Linux as is. Okay, so 
So take a take an existing or build a Correct. a web UI and then run it through Fotino to make it into a desktop app. Correct. Yeah. So you can take existing web applications and as long as they, you know, produce a web app that you could release somewhere or upload somewhere, you can host right. it in the Fotino wrapper, so to say, that will then uh, also have access to system calls. So we have all the uh, required uh, messages and everything implemented to talk to the system, whether it's Windows, Linux, or Mac, for notifications, for, you know, uh, window shape, task, uh, notification mm. bar, uh, okay. Chrome-less windows, that sort of stuff. So this this might be analogous to um, Maui hybrid apps or Blazor hybrid apps, I guess it's called, where you use Blazor to build yeah. a, a native or hybrid version Correct. That, that I think is using web window. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But I, you just said the magic word for me, which is notifications. Because mm-hmm. I know that notifications, you know, like pop-up notifications – um, on mobile devices are a real pain, especially because of Safari and uh, doesn't support them and things like that. Yeah, we are not on mobile, so we do not have mobile support on Fatino, right? right. So we have mm, only desktop it. support. We desktop are having, network. correct, we have it on the roadmap, right? So we have it on the roadmap that we are going to, as time permits, of course, going to look into, all right, what is needed? What can we do to make this also compatible with mobile devices? But there's no time for that yet, right? It's it's on the roadmap, but no definite time to when we're going to start looking into that. Because, mm. you know, we're all uh, an open source team. This is not mm. our you know, profession, main job of income or something where we work yeah. on this. So, and so, yeah, it's volunteers. And this volunteers. is what they want to build. Correct. And this is how yeah. it progress. And we do have a pretty active community uh, and interest in that already as well. So if you go to our uh github repositories and different ones there is you know activity every week where people contribute people uh add features add pull requests we approve them and so on and so you can see there is hmm. a lot of stuff going on if you cool. go to nougat where you can get the nougat packages to create these i think we're around fifteen thousand downloads or something at this point wow that's cool neat so which is still growing as well i'm looking at your comparison of download size and memory use versus electron and it's really mm. really impressive yeah yeah that was the main thing that we wanted to emphasize on that the application size should be you know as small as possible because there's right. no no need for us to bloat this with additional stuff that's not needed just to get it to run and say hello world right mm. i mean it depends on what you add to it right of course you can make this a giant monster uh it depends <laughs> on what you add to it and how you implement it. But well, because generally speaking, these frameworks are bigger because they have a bunch of stuff in them. Whether yeah, or not you're using it is another question entirely. Exactly. Yep. The most dramatic difference in download size is on Ubuntu. 194 megabytes to download Electron, 0.28 megabytes to download Fotino. Wow. Wow. Cross platform is hard. Yeah. And I don't I don't any envy anyone trying to build a framework that works across all those different machines and have it mm-hmm. behave well. Yep. Yeah, well ultimately the browsers are about as close to cross platform perfection as anybody's gotten so far. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's the question. Why if I've already built the web app, why package it in Fatino? Like what does it get me? Uh for one, for instance, if you have um need for an offline app where you do not 
uh, have or always have internet access and you would like to implement offline capabilities to do something log something cache something and then as soon as uh internet connection is back on your machine uh you can sync this up to whatever service or whatever database or so on that you have but auto aren't i aren't i supposed to be able to do that with progressive web apps progressive <laughs> web apps will save the world auto it's yeah, true, right that is absolutely true yeah but didn't i hear that <laughs> firefox is discontinuing pwas is that true yeah I think I heard. I, I did not Safari that. implements a bunch of stuff completely differently, and you yeah. know the only reason that Edge and Chrome seem to get along is because they're actually only using the same rendering yeah. engine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, progressive web app. I am a fan of it, but not for desktop apps. I'm a fan of it for mobile apps. If you have small little apps, you know that. Yeah. It's neat to have them on the on the home screen as a icon. Looks like a real app. Look right. behaves like a real app, but it's really just a web app, right? So for that, I like it. For desktop, not so much. Yeah, the, I think the expectation of of desktop users is very different, right? Like yeah, they, yeah. they expect a lot, and so certainly more robust. For instance, you know, you, there's a lot of uh, industry for these full screen apps in the service industry and in restaurants and whatsoever where you just have a terminal where you just right. want to show one app and nothing else. You don't necessarily want to show a browser there, right? With address bar and whatever, where something could go wrong people could type right. in there go somewhere else uh with fortino you could just say hey i'm creating this desktop app it runs on that terminal whether it's a windows yeah. terminal or a linux or whatever and i'm making it a chromeless app that runs in full screen the user can't click or type anywhere else other than in this app and uh that's just how it works for that right so you're coding it as a as a web app but yeah. I love that scenario of a kiosk style where yeah, this is the right. sole thing this does. It is mm -hmm. a restricted resource device, right? It yep. probably mm -hmm. doesn't have that much memory and that much compute. Mm -hmm. So everything you do to get the footprint down is going to make a huge difference and yep. and quite possibly running Linux to boot because, again, yep. lightest footprint. And that's where the benefit comes in that the, the app itself is very small. Mm -hmm. where we don't have a lot. What's the dev experience like if I'm building in Windows with my mm -hmm. big you know, tank of a machine and then wanting to deploy to a Linux device? You know, do you, I'm, I'm thinking about that loop just to make sure that I'm, you know, how uh, do I need to keep deploying the hardware just to be sure it's rendering correctly? Like, do you, do you run into differences? I mean, you, you, you want to, right? You, it's always a good idea to have a target to play with or to try it out on that you're actually going to right. deploy on. I would never just create it on Windows and then say, okay, here, customer, here's your app. I'm 99% sure it's going to work without having tried it myself, you know? So, yeah, even when it's all one platform, I'm not 99% sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I also appreciate, like, I could just be, I could spend a long time just working on the web app oh, yeah. without yeah. involving Fortino at all. Exactly. And That's then the thing. Go down that chain. You could just start working on your web app by itself, creating a view app, mm -hmm. for instance, or an Angular app, and then say halfway through the process, say, you know what, I'd really like this as a as a desktop app, and then you know, package it in Fortino. Right? Just get the Fortino application, the installer installed, right. create a sample app or create the starter app, and then replace the starter uh, web Foot uh, view project or Angular project with your project, and I notice you're tending towards spas here in terms of mm -hmm. your approach to to web development. Well, because that's most of what we do, most of what I assume 
uh, will be used for or can it be used for. But like I said in the beginning, it doesn't have to, right? You can use no. any any web technology if you want to write it all on your own and just have HTML pages, uh, JavaScript files, and some CSS files. That's fine, too. Mm, you're, you're okay with that. We even have a, a sample app for a game. Uh, there is this um, 3D JavaScript library called 3JS. Yeah. And that allows you to, you know, create 3D games uh, cool. on in the browser. And we have used that to create a sample where, yeah, you can create a 3D game in Fortino and create a game that, you know, a that's 3D neat. game. That runs so I'm looking at Fortino.blazor. And one thing that's really interesting, and it, of, of course, you know, it says Fortino Blazor is not server-side Blazor, nor is it WASM client-side Blazor. <laughs> when the <laughs> when the .NET console application starts, it uses the full .NET six framework. So interesting that you know that there you go. The Blazor programming model exists independently of mm-hmm. client, server, web, Windows, Ubuntu, Mac OS. It's really just really blows my mind mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, and that's one of the things we weren't entirely sure with um, originally, like a few months ago. We had this discussion internally. What are we going to do? Are we going to continue supporting Blazor? Are we going to move it forward along with, you know, from .NET 5, .NET 6, .NET mm-hmm. 7? And uh, because of what Maui is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, if, yeah. if there is a good solution for Blazor desktop, what's the point in, in putting the effort into move that along with us if there's an native better alternative already right so we brought this up for discussion and talked about it in the community and the overwhelming response was hey yeah we want it right keep doing it uh we want to keep it as part of fortino and uh we had people starting to contribute and uh rewrite a bunch of stuff for us as well uh people contributing from all over the world somebody from microsoft even uh jumped in and helped us uh so yeah the, the support is still there and still going for that despite maybe not despite maybe because of what maui is doing because i'm not entirely sure how this is going to develop uh by the time .NET 7 is going to release yeah so i know that you really can't comment on maui because it doesn't really exist yet but uh, yeah <laughs> where do you see the decision to use fotino versus maui is it simply because you guys are more focused on desktop and also maui doesn't support linux currently that desktop. plus i think what a big well like you said, it's too easy, too early to, to comment on this, but yeah. I think the developing experience also plays a big role. What it's like to develop for the programmers, right? For the devs to write a Maui app versus what it's like to write a Blazor app that mm. runs in Fortino. Right. Um, you you, you know, wage these two things against each other and say what you like better. Well, I mean, you can write a Maui app in Blazor. Uh, right. They're called Blazor hybrid apps. So, mm. and then you go, ne- but you, desktop wise, you only go to Windows and Mac with yeah, Mac Catalyst. Not to Linux. But you also do get the mobile right. aspect. Do you do get the mobile? Yeah. But then on the other hand, we just recently had uh, several inquiries that said, "Hey, we would like to look into running Fortino on Raspberry Pis." Yeah. Cool. I said, "Yeah." I mean, it's also on our roadmap because that's definitely you know it's tiny lightweight hardware that you can deploy yeah. anywhere super cheap uh especially for you know iot devices or whatever uh something that can be you know installed and deployed anywhere easily doesn't require a lot of 
resources. But you can already write C sharp apps for Raspberry Pis. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, it's definitely on our on our roadmap to look into that before looking into mobile apps, even because we have mm-hmm. had this interest uh, from the community to to reach out to us and. You know, even better if the community has this interest, if they contribute and drive this even faster, even better for us. Yeah, yeah. there's a whole section on deploying .NET apps to Raspberry yeah. Pi, <laughs> yep. which is, I mean, I mean, admittedly, Raspberry Pi isn't what Raspberry Pi used to be. Like the processor in the Raspberry Pi, the ESP32 is like, it's powerful. There's a lot yep. there. Oh, yeah. What about screens, though? I mean, does um, Raspberry Pi power a, power a... It can. There are a bunch of choices. Really? You you can go so far as to put HDMI on a Raspberry Pi. I don't know that I'd recommend it. I have done it at my house. Yeah. No, but I have a Raspberry Pi connected with HDMI to a uh, TV, and it runs old school uh, video games on it. Mm-hmm. So it's not Windows, though, is it? <laughs> no, that is not Windows. But, you know, .NET doesn't need to be Windows either. No, but I mean, so. Blazor is a UI framework. So what do you see? I mean, do you... Does it render just a web view like everything else on a Raspberry Pi? Yeah, I think it depends. But it, I mean, it, it, that's why I asked that question about Vitino and, and Linux. Mm. It's like, huh, the fact that you're standalone increases your likelihood of being able to work mm-hmm. in these constrained environments. And there's a bunch of ways to hook displays to Raspberry Pi, HDMI being the most brutish approach to just go with the big signal and <laughs> as opposed to the Nexions, the little, the, you know, low resolution 320 by 200s for compact devices that yeah. you could speak to as well. But yeah, it's fascinating just to think, you know, computers aren't computers anymore. We have this huge diversity of hardware that's possible. And, uh, you know, we've for a long time thought about two platforms or three platforms or five platforms, and it's actually many more. Mm. It is. And so lightweight saves a day. And gentlemen, I'm going to interrupt for one moment with this very important message. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Spot by NetApp. Spot provides a comprehensive suite of cloud ops tools that makes it easy to deliver continuously optimized and reliable infrastructure at the lowest possible cost while removing a lot of the manual and time-consuming tasks out of managing cloud infrastructure at scale. Imagine automating your infrastructure to proactively meet the needs of your applications as opposed to reacting to the constantly changing needs of your applications and developers. Imagine leveraging the latest in machine learning and automation to scale your infrastructure using the most efficient mix of instances and pricing models, eliminating the risks of over-provisioning and expensive lock-in. Imagine running reliable applications, cutting cloud costs significantly, and making life easier for DevOps teams so they can focus on faster deployments, reliability, and a seamless user experience. From cost management to infrastructure automation and CD to running serverless Spark on Kubernetes, Spot ensures you maximize your cloud investment. The end result is simply more cloud at less cost. Discover how the most innovative companies from cloud-native growth machines to forward-thinking enterprises are automating, simplifying, and optimizing their cloud infrastructure with Spot by NetApp. Check them out at spot.io slash rocks. That's S-P-O-T dot I-O slash R-O-C-K-S, where you can find more information, request a demo, or give it a try by starting a free trial. You know, time is of the essence when identifying and resolving issues in your software. And our friends at Raygun are here to help. 
Their brand new alerting feature is now available for crash reporting and real user monitoring to make sure you're quickly notified of the errors, crashes, and front-end performance issues that matter most to you and your business. Set thresholds for your alert based on an increase in error count, a spike in load time, or new issues introduced in the latest deployment, along with custom filters that give you even greater control. Assign multiple users to ensure the right team members are notified, with alerts linked directly to the issue in Raygun, taking you to the root cause faster. Never miss another mission-critical issue in your software again. Try Raygun Alerting today and create a world-class issue resolution workflow that gives you and your customers peace of mind. Visit raygun.com to learn more. Their simple usage-based plans start from as little as $4 per month with unlimited apps and users. That's raygun.com to start your free 14-day trial. And we're back. It's Donnet Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. And we're here with uh, our friend Carl Franklin. Hey, hey. And Otto Dorritzberger. I didn't think I said it as well as Carl. I apologize. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, I Talking apologize. about Fotino. Although, you know, you, I see in the notes here, you've gone all the way down into the theoretical ultralight particle. <laughs> like, I was okay with it just being an Italian photon that's small. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to those large photons. <laughs> what about testing your solutions? Like, how do you, you know, all of the plumbing that goes into building a good mm -hmm. UI? Yeah, so it depends on how you set it up, right? Um, there is different ways how you can set up the application um, mm -hmm. and how many levels of testing or even debugging you want or need to go through, right? So mm -hmm. in the easiest way, you get the starter app um, and you write your web application, uh, you have the web uh, dev tools, right? You hit F5 in Fortino right. and it brings it up. Uh, so you have that uh, just by default. But if you actually want to go into the Fortino wrapper uh, and you know debug through that too, especially if you want to expand to it and add functionality on that side, uh, on the system side of the Fortino application, not just the application side, um, then you could, you know, get the Fortino project, uh, .NET project, for instance, for Fortino, and debug through that as well as you run it and set your breakpoints in there. Right. Um, so it just so depends on... you can on do that. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. just depends on, on what level you want to do it, right? If you have need for that or if you're like, okay, I can write my app in a, a web technology and uh, then just house it in Fortino. Right. So use your debug tools and your mm -hmm. testing tools in web dev that mm -hmm. you already know and love Correct. in theory. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's always a question of if Fotino behaves somewhat differently, but at least if I'm thinking in the context of .NET, it's just .NET code. It's just a, yep. it's just a, a, a library .NET and you're going to be able to set breakpoints break and operate in that environment. And you may end up be debugging in Fotino, but I don't imagine there's any bugs there. <laughs> Bug-free, of course. Of course. All open-source software is just like that. Just ask the log yep. for j guys. They'll tell you. Yep. <laughs> oh. Ooh, did I go there? Can you tell I did a ransomware <laughs> show earlier today? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's, I mean, it's very logical, you know, that, that this is uh, this is where you end up. So it's it's almost like you should know about Fotino when you're thinking about deployment options for your web app. I mean, is there really anything different from me building a web app and then looking to move it to Electron, then move it to Fatino, besides the footprint? Um, well, I would say yes. 
First of all, it depends on size of your application. Right. Electron, you know, ships with Node.js. So that by right. itself is going to be a lot bigger. Uh, if you're limited on you know, resources or whatever, that's not or might not be an option. And then, of course, it depends on just how... I mean, I'm, I compare it to some of the apps that run on Electron that for, in my opinion no apparent reason use a lot of memory for instance right if you say uh, yeah slack open i'm right? sorry you mean every electron app uh, <laughs> you know i didn't want to go that way but <laughs> let's take slack but, for instance right it's it's oh man a chat app right and if i'm not talking to anyone i'm not in a meeting i'm just having it open idle there and it's sitting there at 700 megs i'm like well, why you know well, yeah. what is the I'm always going to say all of those things are memory leaking, right? Like it's like the, it's not that yeah. it's 700 megs. It's that I looked at I, I looked four hours later and it was a gig and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's that's the point. Yeah, yeah. But I, I take your point that you've got both Node and Chromium yeah. by you know automatically because you're working in Electron. Um, so that I think is the is the driving decision factor when you you know and of course what expertise you have right if this is something if you work with node anyways if you are that kind of you know developer that is familiar with mm -hmm. that environment with with that has those skills and so on yeah of course i mean cater to your to your dev team right pick yeah. whatever what that you're most mean? productive in that of course too but, yeah, where can you use your workflow? Yeah, but with Fortino being a .NET-based uh, platform, .NET has you know huge reach. A lot of people know .NET, a lot of people know C Sharp, um, and of course, a lot of people know web development. So you combine those two, and you have a solid platform where you can you know pull from those two source uh, sources of skills from developers and make mm -hmm. everybody happy. <laughs> Yeah, no, no kidding. But and again, it's like minimal need to rethink the way you're currently building yeah. your code to be able to get there. That right. you could stay as web app, you're happy there, and then right. And you could you, you could say you have a web app that's deployed, right? You could say I have this right. web app; it's in production, and you know what? I'm going to add offline support for this app, and I'm going to create a Fotino app for it as well. And you can just Good. go and do that. And it does add a need to deploy, like now you're deploying mm -hmm. code to, to the machine, but you also get a stable version. You get the independence, yep. mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you get that, uh, and you get a more reliable offline experience, right? Compared to so, trying to do all that in PWA, right? Of course, I mean it depends then on the offline capabilities and implementation of the app itself, right? If you're mm -hmm. trying to make web calls while you're running it offline. And even though you house in Fortino, you're still going to get the errors. <laughs> so, of course, right. it depends on the on the developer team to actually write it that way. Then it's not just magically turn into an offline app just because you <laughs> house it in Fortino yeah, if it's sure. a, a web application. Uh, and are there libraries in Fortino that I want to use to to make my app better in that respect, of more offline capabilities and so no. on? No, it doesn't ship with anything that's not needed, right? Because that would just clutter it up and make it bigger for people that don't need it. You're so resistant to bloat, Otto. How, <laughs> how do you push updates, Otto? Um, well, if you anytime you deploy uh, your application, you have your Fortino uh, application that pulls mm -hmm. from those or that 
can pull from that deployment, right? So let's say you have a, it, it depends on your, your setup for your distribution, I guess, as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Depends on how you set it up to distribute it to begin with. But in essence, it, de- it depends on your distribution model and it de- depends on your build model for your web application, where you build it. Um, essentially, if you can pull the latest deployment from your web application uh, from wherever the download for your Fortino app is, then you can make that an integrated process. Nice. And what I'm reading here about... Fatino running in uh, Windows subsystem for Linux mm-hmm. can do that. Too. So a way to test my Ubuntu code without having to roll out an Ubuntu device. Correct. Yep. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it was surprising to get a lot of community requests for that as well. That's why we kept forward with it. I mean, I get it because it's it's self-contained, right? I, that's all running in my one machine, and I can actually see the render and and just increase my confidence level that this is going to work mm-hmm. when we push it out. Correct. Of course it does. And for developing and testing, it's it's marvelous, right? For deployment, yeah. I would still go on a deploy machine first before I tell the customer. You're still going to learn things by going to the <laughs> yeah. hardware like, yeah. and every time. Exactly, every time. And by learning things, meaning smashing your head in and being frustrated. <laughs> yep. Making a dent in <laughs> Why the is it this working? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do, are the standard? I'm, I remember you, you, Richard asked about testing, and you, you answered something, but I'm not quite sure if I got the right answer I wanted. There's some standard stuff out there for doing snapshot testing for Blazor, and I'm wondering because those are sort of web technologies, if those are going to work. Um, I'm honestly not entirely sure of other. Um, tools like this. If we yeah. have obviously tried everything, so that I'm not entirely sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. What would happen if that stuff was impiled into the code that goes to Fortino? Yeah. And then you know, how does it behave? That's interesting. Like I can imagine you can write a cer- certain amount of JavaScript that Fortino is not, not going to be happy with. Mm. You can, yeah. I mean, because it's, especially because you have access um, through your uh, web application to the system, you can do harmful stuff just like you can if you write a WinForms app or a WPF app. I can do harmful right. stuff, right? Because <laughs> the, the sandbox is the browser and you just got rid of the browser. Yeah, and you can, of course, if I want to, I can make my computer not very happy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, it's your foot. Yeah. <laughs> but and and I think it, it's an interesting point. It's like you the one of the thing one of the things the browser introduces is a security context. Mm-hmm. And just because you've you, you know it was it is web code and you've recompiled it effectively outside of the browser means you're no longer living in that sandbox. You don't have that context anymore. You're back to needing to deploy and have the proper privileges assigned to the application. Like all of those things exist. They existed when you installed the browser too. I'm sorry, my IT hat show, showed up. Happens sometimes. <laughs> well, from an IT perspective, we look at this idea of I have the security context as a browser that just that solves a certain number of problems for me. Every time we introduce a new application, we have to review all of that stuff. We got real relaxed about it. everybody was just building web apps, so we didn't have to worry about it anymore. And now that there's this wave of need, of interest in client apps. We're back to how do I deploy this? How do I keep it up to date? Yeah. What security privileges does it require to function? Which ones can I restrict? And what happens when I do? Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
that also just gets amplified when you think everything that you do in an app that you can potentially deploy to three different operating systems, it must have everything that you support and every feature implement, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to security and making system calls. It needs to be there for all three platforms, right? So we can't just say, yeah, we have this feature, but you can only do it in Windows, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, or only in, in Mac. And we could, but it wouldn't paint a good picture of of the platform itself, right? If we have three lists of these features for that platform, these two features right. for that platform, and so on. So the goal is everything that we do and release is there for all three platforms at the time of release, right? So and that's why a lot of the times we are also you know, looking at the community and say, hey, yeah, we've you know we're working on this. We have done it for linux and for windows right but we just don't have the time or you know we need somebody to help us with doing the exact same thing to make it work on the mac and yeah get community involved for that for sure are you getting many contributors like it, it seems like there's an array of folks here but it's the when there's certain you're there there's certain consistent folks on all of them like there's certain consistent folks there there's certain mm-hmm. consistent folks for different platforms right there's somebody that's always there for the blazer stuff there's somebody that's always there for the mac stuff there's somebody that's there to uh right. on the windows side um there's a a small group of consistent people that come back and contribute. And then there is, you know, the occasional people that show up here and there. Yeah. Do their thing because they need something, whatever yeah. it may be. I mean, it's the best, it does look like the best kind of contributions, right? Yeah. Of mm-hmm. people who are using the product and wanted to do one more thing right. or get over that problem. Mm-hmm. And so they make the contribution for that. And we have gotten surprisingly uh, early already uh, emails from, I'm not going to, you know, say the names of the companies but companies that are national national wide companies in the u.s that uh have started to not only look into tino but said hey we have fortino working on an in-house app for our company that we do this and this with and we wanted this and this feature and we have added it right are you interested Mm -hmm. in bringing this over this feature into the entire release right so there is like they're happy to keep it to themselves, but they're at least be trying to be good mm-hmm. open source citizens and offer it as a PR into the main system. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, yeah, that would be great. But you know, for them it's for one operating system. So then we have to say, okay, let's add that. Who's gonna the do the two. who's gonna do the other version? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's always a triple effort, yeah. <laughs> Every time, yeah. I'm, well, yeah. especially when you think of that at that level. So then mm. it, it's a lot of assessing and, and different skills. I can't imagine there's one person that's comfortable on all the platforms enough. That's correct. Yeah. We always have yeah. different people that work on this platform. Another one works on that platform and so on. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it seems like it's a philosophy here that's like, we, if we're going to put this feature into the main build, it's got to be on all the platforms. Correct. That is the main philosophy. And every day that goes by that you continue to do that means a- adding additional platforms gets harder. <laughs> yep. for better or worse that is very true yeah absolutely a challenge (laughs) so when things go wrong and i'm not going to blame fatino for that but you know you're running on different hardware different things and and the app crashes what does that look like how does this app uh, how does that fatino app die (laughs) well it just depends on first of all the platform you're running on right Uh, Mm -hmm. i've seen on on mac for instance it would just disappear that's right. That's very Apple-y. Very Apple-y. <laughs> nothing and, to see here. You weren't well, running that. Yeah, you weren't <laughs> running this. We never knew about this was there in the first place. Yeah. On Windows, you'd have this classic, everything becomes this whitish color overlay, right? Yes, the widescreen of death. 
And then you're like, do you want to wait or do you want to force close the app? And then do you want to send a report to Microsoft? And mm, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, if, if it's a system problem, yeah, you get that typical. What happens system. on Linux? Unhandled exception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, you have the opposite, right? If it's not something that is a crash based on the app, but it's a crash on your web application, then it will just look exactly the way it would look in the browser. Wow. Right. So then you have yeah, your browser. You can hit F, you can hit F12. Look at the console. See mm -hmm. what goes wrong. Mm -hmm. um, go and take it from there. Can you hit F12 in the Fujino yep. app? Because I guess yes, you can. Yeah, the rendering engine is under the hood. So in theory, you could drop mm -hmm. in and just see what's going on. Correct. You can hit F12. Or better or worse. The dev tools. That's cool. I, yeah, good. Like now, I'm thinking in the kiosk scenario. Do I have a? You can disable it. Yeah, yeah, you can disable it. Of course. Well, starting with don't put F12 on the kiosk. <laughs> take the key out. Or just take the key off the keyboard. <laughs> Otto, what's next for you? What's in your inbox related to uh, Fotino? Of course. In my personal uh, interest is the expansion to Raspberry Pi. Um, nice. that is my personal interest where my attention will go to. Awesome. Um, we're still looking in some smaller, uh, stuff, some pull requests that we're going to approve just what comes in on a, on a weekly basis. Cool. Uh, but on the, on the bigger picture, I think my direction will go towards looking at Raspberry Pi integration. That's great. Well, we're, cool. we're looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, keep us abreast of any major changes that come up and we'll, we'll talk to you again. Of course. We'll be happy to. Thanks, Otto. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You bet. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a